Hi, I'm Eric Dewey from the Socially Awkward Studios, Science and Beer, and Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And you're listening to another proud presentation of the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Check out more shows at foureyedradio.com. Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in three, two, one. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 62, and it's being recorded on Friday, May 13th, 2016. Friday the 13th? Oh no! <laughs> Today's topic, favorite characters. I'm Aaron. And I'm Eric. This episode is brought to you by Revenge Lover illustration and design that fit your personality for samples and inquiries visit revengelover.com hey eric how are you i'm doing good how about you aaron not it's been a long time yeah yeah i think it's been our last release was in february i want to say yeah but life has happened life happens yeah but i hope we can get back to our regular schedule because I miss talking Star Trek with you. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. There's there's not that many people that know Star Trek as well as you. So. Oh, wow, thanks. It, it's and good to talk to someone that knows You what also know a lot about Star Trek. So, that I mean, that's why we we do this. Yeah. I want to get back into talking Star Trek. It is the 50th anniversary. I know you've been crazy with life. I mean, mm-hmm. you were out of the country for a few weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. like a couple weeks, right? Um, it felt like it. It was it was more like <laughs> a week and a half. Or it, it did it did feel longer. I'm like, man, where's yeah. Aaron? What's yeah. going on? But yeah, I'm glad we're back to recording. And I I know before we started this, it was like I'm like, oh, haha, Ranger Command totally passed the Starfleet Escape podcast and episode count. I'm like, we need to fix that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> So I, I'm glad we're back to doing this, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, why don't we jump in? And one oh, of yeah. my favorite sections of the show, which we usually mm-hmm. start off with, is would you buy it? So, would you buy this? I would not, but I already know your answer because you showed it to me. <laughs> yes, I have purchased this. And we, we've talked about it briefly probably a year ago when they announced that they were going to release this. And what we're talking about is the (laughs) Itty Bitties (laughs) Star Trek 50th Anniversary Collector Set from Hallmark, which Mm -hmm. retails for $29.95. So it looks like we got McCoy, Spock, Kirk, and Uhura as... Are are they like plushies? Like, what are they? Yeah, yeah. So So they're these little plush little figures. They don't have feet, so... Mm -hmm. They're like one. I don't know. Yeah, they're kind of like them. cute kid versions of these characters. Yeah, and, and they make these itty bitties for just about everything. There's uh, right now a ton of Star Wars ones for for the release of oh, Force wow. Awakens. They have them for classic Disney uh, characters, uh, Cinderella. Sure. Etc. Uh, Etc. Um, so can you buy these at like a Hallmark store? Yep, yep, that's where I got this. Uh, okay. I just went in. 
they have uh, sets like this, and they also have uh, individual, individual ones where you can okay. just buy one. But the Star Trek ones are just in this set. Now, are they going to do the rest of the uh, original series bridge crew? Um, I didn't hear anything about that happening. Okay. This was, I mean, it depends on how well this does, I guess. Sure. But the box is cool. It has, it's a, the bridge inside. Yeah, I, I really like that. I think that's super cool. Yeah. And on the reverse side, they have a little... Like the little bios? Little bios. Like, James T. Kirk is the brash, daring captain of the Starship Enterprise. Oh He's my. the leader in the heart of the crew. That's a pretty good description of Kirk. Yeah. And we have Spock, science officer, and first officer. is the logical Vulcan who keeps the crew on track and grounded. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so there's, uh, yeah, a couple, couple of those. Uh, I think when this was announced, I knew I had to have it. it now, with it, with it being Hallmark, is there any sort of, like, loop or something on their heads if you wanted to, like, hang these on your tree or something? Uh, or are these strictly no. plush? No, these are just little plushy. Okay. Um, thanks. So. Oh, no, there's no... Nothing like that here. Oh, and... <laughs> I just noticed Hora has a little earpiece. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's that's cool. Yeah. Well, it looks like a good set. Yeah. I actually my my wife was like, "Oh, you should get two so you can open one." I was like, oh. "Oh, wow. She she knows the collector mentality." Yeah. So that that's we'll see. I don't think that's going to happen. It looks like it might be a good chew toy for your dog Spock. Oh. Man, yeah, he's not allowed in this room. Oh yeah, I know. There's so many collectibles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> off, off limits. Well, I think I think that's a pretty cool product. Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely buy it, Eric, on the fence or probably not. I mean, I think it's a cool product. I'm just not like big into collecting plush things. Mm. So Unless I'm gonna take a, exactly. <laughs> so. I'm going to take a pass on this, but I still think they're cool. Yeah, I hear And Hallmark's going to have ornaments this year, a couple. Do you, do you know offhand what they might be? I think, don't quote me on this, I, I think one of them is going to be a gold enterprise. Okay, which enterprise? The original. Oh, nice. That would be cool. Yeah. Like gold-plated or what? Yeah, so just instead of being true to the the coloring of of the hull, it'll just be yeah. in a gold kind of okay kind of plating. Yeah, and well, that's th cool. They'll have the you know they usually have a couple of ships and a couple of uh, figures, uh, characters, yeah. characters, and uh, a scene. When do they typically announce this stuff? Like closer uh, towards the end of summer, or I think it's already been announced because during the summer they'll have their big preview event. Sure. Where they'll have limited edition ornaments, which mm -hmm. is when I picked up the Orion Slave Girl. Slave Girl, two years ago, I mm -hmm. picked her up, and they'll have their regular uh, stock that they. Yeah, have there for like two weeks or so. Well, nice. Good time to be a collector, especially during the 50th anniversary. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, we have 
a ton of news since we last talked. The new series. The hype is real. Yeah. Because I am super excited about this. Yeah, we have first up here, Nicholas Meyer has <laughs> been added to the staff of the new CBS Star Trek series as a writer-producer. And he's best known for his work in several Trek movies, including The Wrath of Khan. Now, this is really exciting because, yeah, Nicholas Meyer was involved in a lot of the original series movies. And, you know, he's a well-known producer. He's done quite a bit of work other than Star Trek. To have such a big name like this come back that was rooted to the original series is pretty exciting. And I've heard some rumors that they might do it, like, after the Undiscovered Country. Mm-hmm. So maybe within that time frame between the movies and when Next Generation started. Mm-hmm. Because that's a whole era onto itself that has been mentioned a lot, but not explored on screen. Right. Like, that's where the Enterprise C comes into play. Right. Uh, like, the conflict with the Cardassians. And also, you hear a lot about O'Brien's, like, war experience in Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. So they've talked a lot about that era, but they've never really showed it. And I think that's a good era to really tell some stories and still bring back some classic characters for cameos Mm -hmm. or have younger versions of characters that we know from, like, maybe Next Generation. Right. Well, I think I think it's cool. I think it's cool. I, yeah. I agree. I heard a rumor that it might be an anthology series, which we've talked about on the show before. We've talked about, yeah. And I think that would be the best option mm-hmm. for them to do because they could explore anything they wanted to mm-hmm. in the Star Trek universe, and I think that's amazing. I mean. We've talked about that idea so many times on this show. Right. And if that happens, I'm going to drop my money for CBS All Access for sure. <laughs> Faux show. Faux shizzle. I'm, I'm definitely going to do it either way. Yeah, but that that would like lock me in. I'm like, yep, here's my money. Yeah. Just take it. Just take well, my money. <laughs> Well, another person that has been added to the producer role uh, is Gene Roddenberry's son, Rod Roddenberry. He's been added as an executive producer. I was at C2E2 this past March, and I did go to the Star Trek panel there, uh, the Roddenberry panel. He was supposed to be there, but uh, I guess like a few days before the convention, his dog passed away. Uh. So he, and he's like a huge dog lover. And, you know, this dog was a big part of his life. So I can understand why he couldn't make it, but he did film like, um, kind of like, sorry, I couldn't be there message for Mm -hmm. us, which was pretty awesome. And most of the questions they took at that panel was, it was basically trying to get, those people to tell us about the new show. Right. And they kept saying, you know what? We can't really talk about it, but mm-hmm. cause one of them on the panel is also another producer okay. uh, that works with uh, Rod Roddenberry. So I'm, I'm really excited for any piece of news that, that comes out and there's still a lot of it. So, yeah. And they also announced just this past week 
that the new series will air weekly. So if you were planning to binge watch this or subscribe <laughs> for a month uh, right, right, to right. watch it like uh, a Netflix show, uh, sorry, it's not going to happen. But I kind of like that because all Star Trek series were weekly. Mm-hmm. And it, even though it's on a new media platform, it still gives that like tune in weekly to find out what happens next. Right. And there's that anticipation that builds up. And I think a, having a week to talk about it, like the whole fandom's on the same page. Mm-hmm. Like it gives us time to digest the episode, anticipate what's coming next. And I think it's going to be a great choice. Uh, even Netflix, not all Netflix series are available at once. There's right. a couple that they have that are, you know, tune in weekly. Yes. So I'm actually glad that they're keeping that format for this. Yeah, yeah. And Hulu does the same with uh, sure. their shows. and It makes sense. It makes you have to pay monthly. Right, right. It stretches it out a little bit more. But uh, another thing in their wording, just to uh, go off track slightly, well, not really, but in their wording, it says the first run will be online. Does that mean that a month later or two weeks later, it'll be available on other platforms that maybe at the end of the year... It'll be available on Netflix, or... I I can definitely see that happening, and I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Because even shows that, you know, are on Hulu, and then they go away, you know, after the season ends, it's on Netflix. Yeah. So, I can see CBS getting their, their money for the first run, and then after maybe six months to a year, when the season's over then they release it to Netflix Mm -hmm. because Star Trek is still on Netflix. Star Trek is still available on Amazon prime. Mm -hmm. So um, it's smart for CBS all access, because if you're a huge fan, like we are, of course we want to see it first, you know, as it comes out. So for me, there's no question. I'm not going to wait for it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pay to see it. Right. And then we can talk about it on the show. Exactly. Which is going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I know this actress from the Mass Effect series of video games. Oh, really? Because she was the Corian uh, leader of the flotilla in that game. So, like, you'll know her voice when you hear her. Mm. She's been on, like, 24 and... Like a whole bunch of other series, Shorey Agdashlu, that's how you pronounce it. So yes, her. Uh, <laughs> she is actually going to be taking the role of uh, the high command of the Federation in the upcoming Star Trek Beyond movie, which crazily is like in less than two months now. Uh, yes, it's approaching. Are they done? It's- I what do you mean? I wouldn't even know. Uh, uh, is the movie done? Is it ready? I'm sure they're still working on effects because, <laughs> yeah. remember, they fast-tracked this movie to get it out this year. Yeah. And I think it shows because aside from the trailer that they released a couple months ago, mm-hmm. I'm not seeing a lot of hype for this movie. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. 
like I, I'm not seeing commercials all over the place. When I went to see Captain America Civil War last weekend, uh, they did have the trailer for Star Trek Beyond. And I will say it's a lot better seeing it on the big screen than, you know, on my computer. Okay. Like, I think the energy level ramps up when you're in a theater. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, kind of fist pumping. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm ready for Beyond. Yeah. But I just feel like the marketing push hasn't been strong or even in your face. Right. Like, which, the which last weird. two movies were all in your face. So, yeah, I'm just wondering if they're taking a different approach to this. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're hoping... I don't know. I don't know what they're hoping. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully it works. Uh... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So next up, we have Adam Nimoy's film, uh, For the Love of Spock. Uh, It premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York City on April 16th. Oh, nice. So yeah, the the documentary about his father. Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing, um, you know, things about this here and there, but I'm glad it's finally coming out. Yeah. It'll be a nice send-off for Leonard Nimoy, I think. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, Next up, Star Trek Horizon, a fan film set in the Star Trek Enterprise era, uh, which debuted uh, on YouTube in late February... Um, actually, they were planning a sequel, uh, but the sequel is shutting down. Mm. So last month, co-producer Tommy Kraft issued the following statement regarding a proposed follow-up for production. It was, the sequel was supposed to be titled Federation Rising. Uh, so here's what he had to say. Quote, earlier today, executives from CBS reached out to me and advised me that their legal team strongly suggested that we do not move forward with plans to create a sequel to Horizon. While this is a sign of the current climate that we find ourselves in with Star Trek fan films, I want to personally thank CBS for reaching out to me rather than including us in their ongoing lawsuit against Axanar. It was conveyed that the reason CBS was reaching out to me was due to legal troubles stemming from the Axanar case. Again, CBS did not have to reach out personally. The message I received felt more like they were giving me a heads up before we got too involved in another project, rather than a group of angry executives swinging a hammer. While we initially planned to debut our Kickstarter for Federation Rising uh, this Saturday, which you know was a month ago now, mm-hmm. uh, we hope that you will instead stand with us as we announce an original sci-fi project, blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, so that was uh, Tommy Kraft. He was the creator of Star Trek Horizon. Yeah, so... Now, did you watch- I didn't... I did not watch Horizon. Oh, I, I watched it. Was it good? It was pretty good. Um, Except. Acting fell flat a few times. Sure. Get past as, that. Yeah, as with the case of as of most fan films. Right. With yeah. the exception of Continues. Because right. I think pretty much nail it. So, uh, beyond that, it was interesting. It was... It felt like a... Enterprise era uh, film, sure, which which was good, and it kind of brought some resolution to uh, one of the main characters from the or villains. I'll put I'll say main villains from the series for, that started the series. If that gives the Sulaban, not the Sulaban, the Romulans. 
I'm not gonna say who it was. The time it, people? <laughs> you know that shadowy figure? Oh, the, the mystery guy. The mystery, mystery guy. guy. It tells us who the mystery guy is, and... I bet it's a Romulan. I'm not, uh, you have to watch it. Of I'm, course, we, we have to say this is a yeah. fan movie, so it's... Sure. Um, it's their interpretation on who it would be. Cool. And, well, and I mean, well it's done. it's sad that, you know, this production had to shut down, but, um, you know, I think with the Axonar lawsuit, you know, we're going to feel the effects of this, or at least the fan community will, for at least the next year, because they don't go to trial until next year. Yeah. But we'll get into that a bit later. Right, yeah. So, so another <laughs> uh, fan film production which uh, we had the creators of on the show a while ago. Yeah. Uh, Starship Farragut's long-awaited episode, The Crossing, uh, which is somewhat of a sequel to the TOS Mary Universe episode, uh, was released on YouTube. Oh, nice. Uh, you didn't get a chance to watch this one either? No, I did not. No, I watched it's been it. It's a busy one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I I was able to watch it, and it was okay. It was all right. Yeah, I had a feeling. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was it was okay. Now I I believe this is their. I believe they have one more that they're doing in the TOS era. Um, okay. And then they're going to do Farragut Forward which will be in the motion picture, or the Wrath of Khan uh, era. Oh. Which I think if they're going to do that, they might run into some legal issues. Yeah. It's just such a weird time right now with with fan films. Yeah. Personally, it's like I would just hold off on doing anything until, you know, what happens with, you know, Axanar comes to bear. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are plans that were announced uh, from Starship Farragut way before this uh, lawsuit took place with mm-hmm. Axnar. Well, I'm I'm glad that they're at least moving forward. So yeah, that's something. Yeah, maybe some good news here. Star Trek Online will be coming to the Xbox One and the PS4 this fall. I am so excited for this. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's been available for six years. Uh, I played it <laughs> for maybe a, a week of those six years. So I'm excited to actually be able to sit down from my TV and play it on a console. Oh, me too. And the fact that there's you know going to be achievements uh, with this. Like, I, I love having a Star Trek game because I can get Star Trek achievements. Yeah, yeah, that's the only only good thing about the <laughs> Star Trek the video game that came out. Uh, Which dude? We need to finish that co-op. Yeah, yeah, we haven't. Yeah, we, yeah, we do. Yeah, we'll we'll finish it. We'll finish it. Yeah, you I, think I you think it. they'll uh, bring backwards compatibility <laughs> to that game? <laughs> I'm not even drinking. <laughs> uh, Probably not. I'm yeah. guessing that is a low priority for right. them. But I'm excited. I'm super excited. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely cool. 
and I love it'll be free to play. When, oh yeah, me too. When the when the game, I don't know if people remember this when the game came out six years ago, uh, it was not free to play, and then they opened it up uh, a few years which, ago. Which initially was my like hesitant to play it. No, I hear you. And plus, you know, probably not having the best gaming computer mm-hmm. around. Um, but no, I'm glad I waited because there's going to be updated graphics and you know i'm i've never really been good at like pc gaming Mm -hmm. just because i hate using the keyboard to do all the stuff right so the fact that they were able to make this in such a way that all you need is the controller is amazing like sign me up i'm totally down for that likewise so that sums up the news uh, so we're gonna leap face first. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, into or maybe maybe we're gonna take a quantum leap. Oh, into the topic. snap! <laughs> <laughs> I like that quantum leap into the topic of the show, which, in case you forgot, is our favorite characters. I like this. Uh, you know. In past shows, you know, we've talked about the captains and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we've kind of broken down, you know, the different jobs and characters in Starfleet across the series. Right. But now this is our favorites. Yeah. This is who yeah. we absolutely love in each series. Yeah, and I, it's a fun episode. We definitely needed something. With all this negativity about, uh, you know, the fan films... I thought it was necessary uh, to have uh, some light-hearted uh, fan action. Yeah, and, and you know what? Like, I, I definitely like talking about favorite things. Like, mm-hmm. because each one of us is coming from a, a different perspective. Right. Uh, with our experiences and all that. So, of course, our favorites are going to be different. And especially for Star Trek, it's really hard to pick one character so i mean let's let's just jump right in let's do it for the original series uh my pick is spock big uh, surprise to no <laughs> one listening to this show <laughs> why spock was star trek sorry kirk fans uh <laughs> his character half human half falcon put him in a struggle to find a balance between the two Ultimately, by choosing to embrace his Vulcan roots, it allowed us to examine what it was to be human by looking from the eyes of an outsider. That's deep. Yeah. Uh, My favorite character episode, uh, The Menagerie, parts one and two. Uh, This TOS two-parter, the only two-parter from the original series, offers a great look at the genesis of the character, and his loyalty to his friends. How illogical. Interesting. Yeah, I really like Spock. And I think you made a good point that, yeah, Spock is Star Trek. Like, he he is the most iconic character. And I think he's the one that a lot of people latch on to because he is this alien, but he's also part human. And he's trying to find himself in the universe. Mm. And he's trying to define what it means to be human. 
but he can't fully be human because just from genetics right you know he is who he is so he has to embrace both sides of his culture and you know it's no surprise that in the rest of the star trek series there's always that archetype type of spot character Mm -hmm. you know data on next generation odo in deep space nine seven of nine in voyager Mm -hmm. there's always these characters that are trying to that they don't know fully who they are and they're trying to aspire to either be human or to embrace humanity right and i think the reason why those characters are throughout star trek series is because they're you're able to tell very human stories with these characters Mm -hmm. They're able to learn very human lessons. We're just putting it through the eyes of an alien. Right. And yeah, that's why they're very intriguing characters. I I think that's a great pick. Thank you. Well, I was going to say Spock, (laughs) but I didn't want it to be a Spock love fest. So Mm. um, actually my, I think my favorite character from the original series is McCoy. Okay. And why do I like that so much? Because McCoy was the everyman. Mm-hmm. He didn't like transporters. You know, he had a Southern charm about him. He was very hardworking. He never gave up on his patients uh, by finding ways to save them or even creating brand new procedures. I think he was the perfect foil to Spock. I agree. And even, yeah. yeah, and even though it didn't look like it, they were lifelong friends as much as Kirk and Spock were. Oh, yeah. They're definitely a, a, a three-o. A three-o? A three-o. <laughs> and three-o was his name. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, no. I, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. You know, Spock, we get to see through the eyes of an alien trying to be human. Well, McCoy was 100% human. Right. And he was most like us, I think. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he was very down to earth. He had a charm and a wit about him uh, that came through his upbringing. Right. And, you know, he was a good old country boy. And I think the humor that originated between, you know, Kirk and Spock and McCoy, a, a lot of that humor was just from mccoy being either stubborn or sarcastic Mm -hmm. and you know kirk trying to line him up but you know mccoy calling spock out on his bs or you know pointing him out like oh you pointy ear devil and you know all that kind of stuff so he he was very he was very human and it was it's it's good to have a character that's closer to us And again, it's another one of those types of characters that the subsequent Star Trek series replicated. You know, they tried to reproduce that charm, more specifically with Trip from Enterprise. Oh, yeah, definitely. And a little bit of um, Pulaski. Exactly. Yeah. You know, played by uh, Diane uh, Mulder, who was also in the original series, too. So, yeah, there's... There's something about like that Southern charm that people really like. Mm-hmm. And 
I think McCoy is a great person to to follow through the series just because he has his own personal journey as well. Right. In regards to uh, a favorite episode, I think my favorite episode with McCoy in it was the episode uh, Shore Leave. Okay. It heavily focused on his character and we learn a little bit about his past as well, but it was mostly a McCoy focus episode. We got to see him open up and be a little happy. So I, I like that episode. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's a good one for like a McCoy focus. Another good one is city on the edge of forever. It was, it was focused on Kirk and Spock, but a lot of it was on because of McCoy. Right. So yeah. I think, that's a good episode where McCoy's effects had an impact and a huge impact. Now on to the next generation. Can you guess who my favorite character of, of Gee, I don't know. <laughs> so, my favorite TNG character is Data. Why? The TNG equivalent to Spock, without question, is Data. Mm-hmm. Data, an android who endeavored to understand and become human. Uh, TNG was the series I grew up with watching, and Data was the character I related to the most. Data was smart, strong, and a loyal friend. Uh, What more could you ask for? Oh, yeah. My favorite character episode? Although I wouldn't call this a a Data episode, one of the best moments comes from the two-parter episode, Redemption. In the episode... Data takes command of the Sutherland and must uh, deal with a bigoted crew. I would say my favorite Data episode would be Measure of a Man. Nah, I didn't want to go with the obvious. But it's one of the best! Well, see, there's, that, there's so many, actually. So there's that yeah. one, and there's uh, oh, the one where he's writing the, the letter to the uh, guy from Measure of a Man. Um, yes that one i can't think of the uh episode name off the top of my head data's day data's Data's day Day. yep that one uh oh what else there was another one that was on the tip of my tongue the one with uh where he creates the daughter uh yes um shoot that one uh yes that's the good one there's so many good ones uh i would leave out a fistful of data's it was, yeah, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best, but I, I, I heard, I, I think Patrick Stewart, yeah, I might be wrong on this. I think Patrick Stewart directed that one, and it was mm-hmm. the one that everyone wanted to direct, and he got to direct it. Right, right. But I do like your pick of Redemption, because that was a little bit later in the series, right? That was like season five yeah, or I so? Yeah, I want to say it was five, yeah. So, I think at that point in the series, Data was established enough where they could do an episode like that, where there's a bigoted crew. He has to face that. And it's another stepping stone for him discovering his humanity. Mm -hmm. Well, I think again, you kind of stole mine. (laughs) Uh, I didn't want to repeat or otherwise this would be boring, but I think my favorite character from uh, the next generation is Riker. Okay. And again, he's kind of an everyman. You know, yeah. he's, you know, like McCoy, he 
you know, loves 20th century type of things. You know, he likes playing uh, jazz. A ladies' he, man. He's a ladies' man. He likes poker. Like, Riker is just, to me, I feel like he's pro- he'd probably be really cool to hang out with. Oh, yeah, definitely. I would definitely want to hang out with Riker. Yeah, I would want to hang out with him, you know, chill at 10 Forward or go on some holodeck adventure because he would be cool to do that with. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. he's from Alaska, you know, his dad dad and him went fishing. Like he's just like this guy, you know, and he I I think Riker as a character really matured throughout the series. Mm-hmm. You know, when when the first season started, you know, he was a bit brash and, you know, ready to go. And by the time of the third season, he was really finding himself. And this ties into my favorite Riker episode, which is the best of both worlds to Carter. Yeah. Because it features him the most. He, despite, you know, Picard being assimilated, Riker is dealing with Shelby. He's dealing with people questioning about his command. Like, why is he not taking the next step? Why is he not taking the promotion? Right. And there's this moment in the best of both worlds where he is talking with counselor Troy and he's almost having like an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, Shelby's really getting under my skin. You know, she's brash and arrogant. And and then, but he admits to Troy, he's like, those were all the things I used to be. Mm. And I miss that, Riker. I right. miss, you know, taking chances and, and taking risks and being, or having that drive that Shelby does. And that's such a great scene because Troy tells him, he's like, she's like, look, you were that person, but look at how much experience you've gained. Look how mature, you know, you're more seasoned. And it's, there's that funny line, you know, Riker's like, Oh, season. That's like the worst thing you could say to a man, you know? <laughs> right. But, but it's, it's him becoming what he's going to be, which eventually he does become the captain of his own ship. Right. And, I think the reason why he hesitated for so long to become a captain was because he wanted to soak up as much experience and advice from Picard as he could, because he recognized that Picard was such a great captain. He really wanted to learn all he could from Picard. Mm-hmm. And um, I haven't read all the time novels, which, um, you know, focus on his captaincy, but, um, you know, from the things that I heard, like he's a pretty damn good captain. And I think the reason he is, is because he got all that wisdom from Picard and he became the captain that maybe he couldn't have been, you know, eight years prior, everyone was pushing him to, but he knew himself that he wasn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. that he didn't want to leave the enterprise. Right. So, yeah, I think Riker's my favorite because 
I'm kind of going through a same crisis like Riker. It's like, you know, I used to be this. I used to be that. Why am I not that anymore? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I think I, I'm not having a midlife crisis or anything. I'm, I'm far it's a from early that. for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's like, no, I hear you. and I think that's the beauty of Star Trek. The more you watch it and the more you watch it through different stages in your life, mm-hmm the different lessons you get out of it. Right. And I mean, I just recently rewatched best of both worlds last weekend. And I was like, wow, you know, there's some things that Riker's dealing with that I can identify with. Mm. And yeah. So I I think that's why I put Riker down is because I I can really identify. Oh yeah. Thanks. Good choice. Uh, And and you know what? Beards are awesome. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I concur. At, at my wedding, we had I had a little uh, figure of of Riker, which was hilarious. That was <laughs> the best. Yeah, yeah. I figured it it summed everything up very well. Uh, another good Riker episode, which also shows uh, growth in the character and internal yeah. conflict, uh, the Pegasus. Yes, and the re I was. I was on the fence between that and best of both worlds. Mm. I think the reason I finally chose best of both worlds because I rewatched it. I'm like, wow, this is, this is like a two parter about Riker. Mm. (laughs) So I, I I really like that, but no, the Pegasus is another fantastic Riker episode. Yeah, definitely. Which comes into play in enterprise because that's when he's, but yeah. These are the voyages. (laughs) Which I would watch them both together, both those episodes together. Yeah, to get like the full effect, I guess. Yeah, I wish someone did like a super edit of that. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, to like splice it. Yeah, yeah, but you you would be able to tell the the differences <laughs> oh, fairly quickly. Uh, just a tad bit, yeah. <laughs> just a tad. <laughs> Uh, so let, well, now we move on to Deep Space Nine. Yes, uh, Deep Space Nine. Now, uh, Deep Space Nine, I had such a hard time coming up with a character that I... Because they're all... All the characters in, in Deep Space Nine were so good. So hard for me to pick. Yeah. I ended up settling with Dukat. Uh, Are you kidding <laughs> me? Like, what? Now, stay with me. Okay. <laughs> uh... It's a character that you love to hate. Yes, that's definitely true. Yeah, and that's pretty much all I have to <laughs> quantify my reasoning for picking uh, uh, Dukat. Oh. And he had such... Uh, his character went through so much. Uh, oh, such an especially, arc. especially in the last two seasons. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, almost a complete 180 from what he started out as. Mm-hmm. My favorite episode with uh, Dukat is A Call to Arms, uh, where in that episode, Dukat finds Sisko's baseball sitting on his desk, which is yes. a promise from Sisko that he will return to reclaim Deep Space Nine after the Dominion retook the station. A big turning point in the uh, Dominion War. Yeah. So my favorite character from D Space Nine is Garrick. Also a Cardassian. Also a Cardassian. Yeah. Wow, look at that. And it's also my one of my brother in law's names. 
Wait, really? Garrick? His, his name's Garrick. Uh, but G-A-R-R-I-C-K. Okay, but hey, close enough. Yeah, yeah, close enough. So, the reason that I like Garrick so much is I think he's one of the most faceted and layered characters in all of Star Trek. He is very mysterious. Uh, Obviously, he's trying to hide his past uh, being in the Obsidian Order. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of wrong that he did, and I think that he's trying to atone for it, and that's why he's a tailor. I loved his friendship with Julian Bashir because... They would always have like these back and forths, and Garrick was kind of t- always telling him half lies, mm-hmm. and it was almost like a game. Like Bashir had to find out what Garrick really meant, or what Garrick was really trying to say to him. And Garrick became actually an invaluable asset during the Dominion War. Right. I mean, he was huge because. He disagreed with what the Cardassian Union was doing, and he wanted Cardassia to go back to its former glory. He didn't want them joining the Dominion. He he wanted Cardassia to stand on its own. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go back to that, um, I wouldn't say a simpler time, but you know, a, a time where they weren't influenced by other species he wanted he felt like uh the cardassians were you know living for someone else or for another species Mm. and you know he had a a great relationship with tora ziel who was ducat's daughter and yeah that was a whole great storyline but i think one of my favorite episodes uh with garrick is Empok Nor. That's where they go to, you know, Empok Nor, the other station, mm-hmm. uh, that's a sister station to Tarek Nor, to find parts to replace on Deep Space Nine. And Garrick is kind of on this away team with O'Brien, a team of engineers, Nog. And there, you know, there's a, quite a few booby traps on the station. Right. But Garrick is actually uh, exposed uh, to, um, I think it was a uh, virus or, or, or no, it was a drug. It was a drug. And it totally changed his mindset. And the drug that he was on, it, it was it was like a failed experiment to enhance Cardassian xenophobic tendencies hmm. to turn soldiers into unstable killing machines. Mm. So we got to see a very dark side of Garrick. And this episode really had lasting consequences for his character because there, there was an episode, I think it was the one where, um, you know, they crash on the planet with the dominion with, with the Jem Hadar ship and they're facing the other Jem Hadar. Uh, yeah. So, Garrick is with them because you know he can, he oh, can yeah. the, the eyepiece. He he since it's fitted for Cardassian biology, and there's a scene in that episode that references back to Empok Nor because he was walking with Nog, and Nog was always behind him. Like he was always putting 
Garrick ahead of him. And Garrick called him out on this. He's like, why, why are you always hanging back? Why are you, you know, why, why is my back always to you? And, you know, Nog was like, well, because after the events of last year and, you know, what I, what I seen, how dark you can become, he's like, I, I don't trust you. Mm. I, I will never turn my back on you. It's very powerful. And not everyone trusts Garrick for good reason, but I, I don't know. He's got this dark humor that I really like about him. Mm-hmm. And I think he's one of the most fascinating characters on Deep Space Nine. No, I agree. Actually, one of my favorite episodes with Garrick is in the Pale Moonlight, where he brings the Romulans into into the war with the Dominion. Yeah, that's that's another great one, for sure. Good Cisco episode as well. Oh, yeah. Well, now we're moving on to Voyager. Voyager, my favorite series, Eric. My favorite series. <sighs> Sarcastic guy. <laughs> uh, so my favorite character from Star Trek Voyager is the Doctor. And you stole mine again. The one you were talking about. <laughs> no, I love the Doctor. <laughs> He's a very good very good doctor and follows my uh other picks uh, you know what my, my pick also follows kind of a theme but we'll get to yeah that. yeah i saw that like my other picks the doctor is a robot robotic a cold <laughs> uh, uh character that evolves over time and at the end the doctor mm-hmm. becomes a charming and a, a vital member of the crew even though he's a hologram my favorite character episode Ironically, my favorite episode featuring the Doctor uh, takes place in the Alpha Quadrant, away from Star, yes. away from the Vo- uh, USS Voyager. Yeah, ironically. <laughs> uh, so uh, <laughs> this episode is uh, "Message in a Bottle," where the Doctor is sent uh, via a subspace relay to an advanced ship called the Prometheus. And during the episode, the Doctor, along with his EMH counterpart on the Prometheus, must defend themselves against the Romulans. It was a very fun episode. Mm-hmm. It's great seeing the Doctor outside of his element. Mm-hmm. This was his real first away mission. Right. And, like, away, away. Like, in a different quadrant, away. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's, argu- it's in my top five Voyager episodes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Doctor is a fantastic character. His growth through the series is another great one to watch. Yeah, it's one of the biggest throughout the series, I think. Yeah, he got a name. Yeah, yeah, and he was a real dick early on. I oh mean, yeah, terrible. I mean, terrible bedside manner. The worst. <laughs> no, I, I, I have to agree. I, I really like the Doctor. He's fantastic, mm-hmm. and Robert Ricardo. What an amazing actor. Yeah. And he brought so much to the role of the doctor, you know, the doctor, you know, singing opera and being a fan of the arts that was influenced a lot by Robert Ricardo. And I'm so glad I've met him before because yeah, he made the doctor all his own and just a fantastic guy. My favorite character is Tom Paris. Mm. And again, I guess following a trend. Ladies' he, man. Well, no, not the ladies' man. Oh. McCoy what? was not a ladies' man. No, uh-huh. my trend. I was going my, with Riker. No, my trend is uh, like 
kind of like the the down to earth uh, characters that we can relate with the most. Oh, okay. And yeah, Tom Paris, he's a 20th century uh, buff. Hmm, like right. he likes all of our pop culture, you know, during that episode where they went Future's End mm-hmm. two-parter where they go back to 96. Right. He was Totally in his element, but kind of not really. Like, there was a couple of details that he got wrong. A, a lot of it, I think, that mission wouldn't have been as successful without his help and his knowledge of 20th century. And, yeah, he really speaks his mind. You know, he forms great friendships with people, uh, like his friendship with Harry Kim. I really like the story arc that uh, he had with Bolana and their relationship throughout the series. I like that he started out as essentially a criminal. Right. And he became one of the most trusted senior officers on Voyager. And he really accepted the responsibility for his actions. And that leads me into my favorite episode with Tom Paris, which is 30 Days. So... This episode, Tom Paris is actually demoted to Ensign, and he's sentenced to 30 days in the brig for disobeying orders. So the reason that I like this episode so much was because, one, we've never seen that in Star Trek before. We never saw a character fully demoted like that and then forced to... uh, you know, play out those consequences because of their actions. Right. The only and, time we've seen a character demoted was Captain Kirk, and he got a starship. Exactly. <laughs> uh, L- yeah, Lieutenant Paris got demoted to Ensign and spent a month in the brig. Mm. So, no, I think the episode is a great character study for Paris. I think it's the one that he really has to deal with his consequences. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was a fifth season episode of Voyager. I think that season is one of the strongest in Voyager. And, you know, when he was in that cell, he was actually dictating a letter to his father, who was an admiral. So, you know, this was before they found the Herogen relay to contact with Starfleet. Okay. So he's writing this letter that, he has no idea if his dad will ever even get it or if they'll even return to the alpha quadrant at that point. So I think it's a great story for, for Paris because once again, he's back in jail. Like it feels like he's going back and digressing as a character, Mm -hmm. but this, because of this episode, there are lasting consequences and eventually he does earn his, Uh, lieutenant rank back but he has to prove it right he has to prove himself and prove to janeway that he earns it i feel bad for harry kim because he was an ensign the entire time (laughs) yeah yeah sorry harry yeah 30 days i think is a great episode just because paris has to deal with his actions and the consequences of those actions okay yeah good episode to pick I'm not a huge Voyager fan, so I don't really have. Gee, really? <laughs> I don't really have a uh, episode that I can pull off well, at, except well, for did... Threshold. But uh... <laughs> oh god, the episode that we must not speak about ever. Yeah, 
But I mean, overall, what are your thoughts on Tom Paris? Did you like him? I liked him. I thought he was a good character for the reasons you said he was definitely an everyman. I I found him to be a ladies' man. Those kind of characters are interesting. We have like Captain Kirk is a ladies' man. Then you have Riker is a ladies' man. And continuing the the tradition, you have uh, <laughs> in the next series you have uh, Tom Paris. I, I thought he was a, a good character. I liked his evolution. Of course, he was only there because he wanted to... Uh, on Voyager because he wanted to get away from the uh, penal colony he was in. Right. But after at, from the moment that they got stranded at Delta Quadrant, the growth of the character uh, made me like him a lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, moving on to Enterprise... And now I kind of went with what you were going, your theme. I chose mm-hmm. Trip because he's yeah. very grounded and a reliable character. Um, and taking place in the 22nd century, he felt uh, he felt like he could fit perfectly in with us in the 21st century. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, you know, he was very charming. He seemed to be a reincarnation or a pre-reincarnation. Of uh, a McCoy, <laughs> a pre-incarnation of uh, McCoy, with the same distrust of Vulcans, and Trip also treated his engines like McCoy treated his patients. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite uh, episodes with with Trip is Shuttle Pod One. Oh yeah, where he and Reed are stranded in a shuttle pod. And they face the possibility of dying. Um, it's a great character episode, and uh, both of them learn more about each other, and they see past their differences, and from that point on, become uh, friends. Yeah, very good friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like Trip. His character did get pretty dark in the third season because the Zindi weapon, you know, destroyed his hometown. He lost his sister. So very powerful season for Trip, just the whole third season. Mm-hmm. And his character definitely became hardened. There was a lot of things that he disagreed with, with Archer on, because he was really fueled just by vengeance. And I think that's a very human reaction to a tragedy like that. And it was actually refreshing to see in Star Trek, mm-hmm. because you know normally we're seeing the, these perfect versions of, of these characters, the perfect humanity that Roddenberry based the entire series on. So to see Tripp's character deal with those consequences through an entire season is actually very fascinating. And there was a lot of growth for his character. And again, you, you like took mine, uh, <laughs> but um, I think, I think we flipped on this one because I picked the character that was trying to understand humanity. Right. Uh, and it's not to Paul, it's actually Phlox. And the reason why I like Phlox so much was he is completely different alien. I mean, he's not half anything. You know, he's not to Paul like a fully Vulcan. I love Phlox's optimism. Mm-hmm. I think Phlox's optimism is one of the greatest things about Enterprise. Even when the situation could be really bad, I think Phlox always tries to find the positive in a situation. He sort of reminded me of Neelix in that aspect. Yeah, but I think Phlox was 
Well, I really like Neelix. It's I think it's unfair to call him annoying. I mean, he could be at times. <laughs> right. But, you know, like Neelix, because Neelix definitely matured as yeah. well in Voyager. And there's also a lot of great character moments with Neelix, with other members of Voyager. And you kind of get the same with Phlox. Uh, Archer, Captain Archer, was uh, very much appreciative of Phlox's advice. He would definitely go to Phlox a few times to see Phlox's spin on things. And I think that's why Archer chose Phlox initially, because he was a little bit unorthodox. He had a strong sense of value. And one of my favorite episodes with Phlox is actually the episode Dear Doctor from the first season of Enterprise. And he's writing a letter to one of his colleagues in the interspecies exchange, uh, the medical interspecies exchange program. So he's writing to his exchange doctor, uh, Jeremy Lucas, who's, you know, taking his place. And Lucas is serving on Denobula while Phlox is serving on a human ship. I see. So it's kind of like, data's day in a way where mm-hmm. you know we get a character a spock-like character in terms of finding humanity or exploring humanity um so it's kind of like the data's day for enterprise okay. but they come across you know a situation where they have to treat on a planet where there's two different species living on the same planet mm-hmm. and there's this huge moral decision because he has to find a way to solve their condition. And it's almost like a prime directive type of situation. So there would be lasting consequences based on what Fox decides. So I think from a moral perspective, it's, you know, very interesting that it's, it's something that he has to deal with. And, because it takes place in the first season, it's great exposure for Phlox to any of the viewers because we get to see truly at the heart of this character what he's about and what his morals are and his morals being tested in the episode. So I think I think that's a great episode for Phlox. And I just really like Phlox because he is a confidant, not only to Archer, but... He's also kind of sharing this living on board with humans mm-hmm. with T'Pol. Right. So he forms this other friendship with T'Pol, which I think they had very great scenes together. You know, these two aliens experiencing an entire crew of humans. Mm-hmm. And they have two diff- very different perspectives about humanity. Right. So... Yeah, I I think Flox is definitely my favorite character. No, I agree. Flox uh, is definitely a, a cool character. Uh, one of my favorite moments is, I think it's in the last season where they're back at Earth. Oh, yep. And mm-hmm. he's at a bar with uh, some crew members, and there's humans there that are xenophobes. Yeah, this is say. the episode Terra Prime. Yeah, yeah and they uh, they don't like that Flox is an alien in the bar, and maybe he should go to the Vulcan compound. And I think it was good to see his crew members sticking up for him in that episode. 
but well it was it was also a good lesson for him and it was also a true test to his optimism mm. because he got to experience you know this bigotry right firsthand mm -hmm. it, it wasn't it was no longer something that he was looking through the eyes of you know a different situation he actually experienced it right and it shook him to the core like mm -hmm. It made him not want to go back to Earth until Hoshi talked to him and said, look, you know, you experienced something bad, but at the same time, you have to rise above their bigotry. You have to go on living your life. Mm -hmm. So, oh, yeah, that's a fantastic episode, too, just because we're experiencing his view of humanity being challenged mm -hmm. you know he was very always optimistic about humanity and this kind of shook that foundation to the core right so uh, yeah that's another great episode yeah and, you know, we're talking about all these episodes and it it just makes me want to go back and re-watch these episodes yeah and uh maybe we should do that maybe we should after after we're done no yeah after we're done yes <laughs> uh so we're uh, finished with that. Uh, I hope you guys agreed with our choices. So here's the uh, next section of the show where we ask through social media a question uh, so that you, the listeners, can be part of the show. Subspace channels are open. <laughs> so the question I, I posed, if you could bring back a, a Trek character for an appearance in an official show or movie, who would it be and why? And from Twitter, we have at Robert Reyes, who says Kirk would be one of the few people that best encompasses the ideals of the Federation. Interesting. Yep. Uh, and the next two answers are actually, who's your favorite character? So at Sci-Fi Commons says, besides the obvious, uh, Edith Keeler, because her, mm -hmm. of her compassion, vision, and optimism... Also, Christopher Pike, because he's cool. And I, I wish we saw more of Christopher Pike, actually. I, yeah. Uh, in any dimension, Christopher Pike is pretty badass. Yes. I was going to say, I really like J.J. Uh, Abrams' version of Christopher Pike. Right. For sure. Uh, next we have, I um, think I'm going to say this right, probably not, Jara Penguin. At Jara Penguin who I believe is a host of uh, Women at Warp on uh, oh, Trek yes, FM. Uh, another great podcast. Indeed. And she says, Kira, uh, one of the most complex, badass women in Star Trek, I'd follow her into any situation. You know what? I would too. She's right. Kira is pretty badass. Yeah. There are a lot of amazing women characters in Star Trek. Mm -hmm. So I was going to pose this question, but then I didn't. Who's better? Kira Who's better? or Ro? Oh, I, I'm sorry, but it's um, it's Kira. Kira. We, we saw so little of Ro that I mean, it doesn't matter. Did you know that Kira's character was supposed to be Ro? Yes, I did. And interestingly enough, in the book series... Uh, after the show ended, Roe actually becomes the commander of Deep Space Nine. Really? In the, in the book series, yeah. Interesting. 
So they eventually bring her back to Deep Space Nine. So yeah. yeah. See, I was wondering if in the episode where Tom Riker comes back in high um, hijacks the Defiant. Yes. If Kira's attraction towards Riker is really a leftover part of Rose's character and her attraction to mm-hmm. Riker. Yeah. That's a good question to pose. So moving on to Google Plus, giggity goo sixty two. Uh, you gotta say it like that. You gotta say it like Quagmire. Giggity goo. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> giggity goo sixty two said uh, Captain Picard just to show that the new series is set in the TNG era. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, because your original question was if you could bring him back. Yeah, if Not you could bring him back fin- in any official form. Uh, Michael Anthony Morgan, I love this answer. He says, I bring back Garrick. He was one of the most intriguing and well-written characters in the Star Trek universe. I have a feeling that he'd have done very well for himself in post-Dominion Cardassia, and I'd like to see what he's been up to. Hmm. Well, in the book series, he actually leads Cardassia. Oh, interesting. He He ends up becoming... Like the leader for Cardassia. Fascinating. So like how Rom becomes Grand Nagus. Yes. Garrick would become Grand yeah, I forget Cardassian. What, I, no, <laughs> Grand Cardassian. No, I forget what they call it. It's it's like a different term. But yeah. Yeah, but he uh, ends up leading this movement and, you know, starts to restore Cardassia to its former glory, I guess. Yeah. But without the a-holeness of, you know, the whole Bajoran thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> without subjugating a people. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, ING said, uh, Worf, Odo, or Garrick, all some of my favorite characters. Uh, Bashir, Picard, Data, and the Cisco too. So basically everyone he'd bring back. Everyone, why not? And those are good characters. Oh, yeah. Some of my favorites uh, right there. Yeah. Uh, Andrew W. Conley said, quite a few of them on my list, but if I had to choose one, it would be Dr. Pulaski from TNG's second season. After Pulaski left the Enterprise when Dr. Crusher came back, we never hear from her again. And there was one reference to her early in the third season, but after that, it was like she never even existed. Would very much like to see what she's been up to. Hmm. Yeah. Bring her back. Yeah. Uh, Tom Osborne said, I'm really risking the boo-hiss responses, but Wesley Crusher. I'd really like to see how his character developed from a relatively antisocial teen doofus to a traveler. And I would have to agree with Tom because there was like a deleted scene where we see Wesley back in Nemesis. Right. Uh, dude, I want to know where you've been for like the past 10 years. Like, what's up? Yeah. Um, and I think Will Wien has grown as a person, mm-hmm. too. Obviously, he's li- moved on with his life. He's not a teenager. You know, he's right. slightly older than us. And it's like, dude's got a family. And oh, Wow, he is older than us. Yeah. So I would love I would love to see Wesley Crusher as an adult, yeah. you know, in Starfleet. Why not? Right. I, I don't think that's a boo-hiss response at all. No. Uh, Patty McBee 31 said Reginald Barkley because he wasn't the typical Starfleet officer. 
I would like to see his adventures. And shout out to Patty here because uh-huh. I totally agree. And I loved it when Barkley came back for Voyager. He I was in was like, good. yeah, he was like in four or something Voyager episodes. And I loved it. I mean, he was responsible for the Pathfinder project mm-hmm. to help get him back home. So, oh yeah, Barkley for sure. I would love to see what that crazy guy is up to. Yeah, definitely a large character arc uh, from TNG to the movies, the movies to, to Voyager. Um, definitely growth in the character from that shy doofus, pretty much to yeah, someone who took chances. Yeah, and he, he finally realized his worth. So next we have. Colin Johnson, who says none. Really? Not one character you'd want to bring back? Come on. Um, I guess, you know, the past is the past, I, I suppose. I, I guess so. Onward. onward Hashtag me. bring back Worf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, he unfollowed me, by the what? way. What? Yeah. It is. A.K.A. Worf. A.K.A. follow me back. Man, what the hell? It was not cool. Anyway, next Man. we have Michael Smith, who says, Jordy LaForge, Esri Dax, or Harry Kim, but only if it fit within the continuity, no time travel or spatial anomalies. Okay. Okay, I like that. O'Shea James, maybe Cisco. Him going to space heaven never s- sat too well. Uh, with me, especially since he had a kid on the way. I oh. forgot about that. That's right. Also dealt with in the pocketbook series. Next, Star Sword C. This is in response to Colin Johnson, who says, Agreed. Let's move forward. Go where no Trekkie has gone before with new characters. Besides, the characters are getting too old to possibly play their old roles unless there's been a time skip of a few decades which you could do in an anthology series you could just i mean look tos to tng how many years did that skip you know right. it doesn't have to be like a pickup of where they left off no i mean that's the thing like I would love if the anthology series, like, did, like, a Riker on the tie-in episode. Like, let's see him mm. deal with a situation as the as a captain. Right. Let's do it. Uh, moving on to Facebook, Sherilyn uh, Butler said, I would like a tour of interplanetary markets. Perhaps see Quark in retired glory selling trinkets. Hmm. That'd be cool. That's a good idea. Yeah. Add that to the anthology list. <laughs> Write it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh and mcnulty said harry kim because he deserved better on voyager i agree yes he did yeah short end of the stick on that one eric larson kimbrow jr said cisco hands down bar none an entire movie could be made based on this just cisco returning from the celestial temple to save the federation slash galaxy slash a single world from some new bad guy that'd be cool yeah, uh, just having him back, I think, would be cool. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And finally, Eric Extreme. That's that's what I'm known as on the weekends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Reginald Barkley, as a starship captain, 
He is a very capable but odd officer. He in the captain's chair would be very entertaining. Now, see a lot more responses for Barkley than I anticipated. Yeah, I'm actually surprised at that. But mm. you know what? He is a good character. Yeah. You know, I watched I watched First Contact on um, actual First Contact Day last month. Oh, and look at you. Yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah. And um, and yeah, even just his short appearance in First Contact, I was like, yeah, I really like Barkley. He's he's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. He's a little bit neurotic, but, I mean, aren't we all at some point? Yeah, I mean, if you had access to holodecks and could create any scenario that you could possibly imagine and be with any woman that you could possibly imagine... Um, I'm sorry, Mr. I Married, what? <laughs> That's what <laughs> Barkley did! I mean, you don't, I think, you don't think his holodeck adventures were PG, do you? Oh, no, probably not. No. But, yeah, I mean, when you've got something like the holodeck where you can be uh, your own hero in your own story, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can see the appeal of it, for sure. Yeah. You live out your fantasies, why not? Right. But, yeah, I mean, Barkley moved past his holodeck addiction and mm-hmm. became a very competent officer. Right. And he's very smart, too. He came up with some solutions uh that were very inspired. Yeah. So, yeah. Go Barkley. Go Barkley. Let's bring him back. Dwight Schultz. What a great character. What a great actor. Right. He was on the A-team. Yeah, he was. I didn't know that until... <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, until I saw it. I was like, what? I know that. That's Barkley. Yeah. Broccoli. What is he doing there? It's broccoli. <laughs> well... Now we're getting uh, to our segment. Do you know what puts my quantum state into flux? Uh, Aaron, I know you usually do these, but mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the reins on this one. Take the wheel. Because I am completely fluxed with Axanar. This whole trial, this whole BS, it's like it's become this war amongst the fandom. Mm-hmm. You've got people that are super diehard supporters of Axanar, and that's great. But if you look at it from an objective perspective, and shout out to Axa Monitor on Twitter, they are an account and they have a website at axamonitor.com. They really give the unbiased, totally referenced, complete guide to what's going on with Axanar. And I I know we had Alec Peters on the show two times before. And I almost regret that we even did that Mm -hmm. because throughout this entire process, Alec Peters has just been this brash. I mean, I don't want to call him a jerk, but he is. I mean, it's the way some things come off. The way some things come off and just his attitude to anyone who questions anything about Axanar, you're immediately branded a hater. Mm-hmm. And it's it's crazy. And, I mean, there's things that he said that it's like, why would anyone support a project that you do? I mean, if this is the way you treat people who just, you know, have a legitimate question instead of outright praising every move that you make, mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit crazy. Right. And I'm on a Facebook group called 
CBS slash Paramount versus Axonar. Mm-hmm. And in, I mean, in Alex's words, it's pretty much a hive of quote unquote Axonar haters, but it's <laughs> right. actually people who are actually very critical of the things that he has to say and call him out on some stuff because there's just, there's so many contradictions. There's so much ego and attitude involved. Mm. And listen, I supported every single Axonar crowdfunded campaign. Mm-hmm. I did both of their Kickstarters and their in- Indiegogo. So as a donor, I I am literally invested in this. Right. And even requesting a refund, just getting, you know, an email back from Peters, just completely like, no, we're not going to do it. See this and this and this. And no regard for his like attitude to some of the people that question him. And it's really opened my eyes, not just to like Star Trek fandom and how divided it can be, but it's opened my eyes to like these Kickstarter campaigns. Like I never want to fund a crowdsourcing thing ever because of this experience. Mm -hmm. Like, this experience with Axonar, I mean, I got all of my perks for Prelude, but the two Axonar campaigns, I've got nothing to show for that. You know, they're selling perks like the patches on their donor store before giving it out to actual backers. So it's just, it's a complete mess. Yeah, I think their public relations is horrible. I'm, I'm on CBS's side. I hope... Mm-hmm. I hope they take Axonar to task because yeah. this has divided a small part of the fandom. And I do say small mm-hmm. because there are only 10,000 reported donors for Axonar that, that have donated across the campaigns mm-hmm. compared to the millions of people who saw the JJ Star Trek movies. Right. And the attitudes I see on social media and Twitter by these diehard Axonar fans, where it's like, Oh, CBS and Paramount, you guys are horrible. I'm never supporting another official thing again until blah, 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 Axonar. It's like, hold the phone. CBS and Paramount are well within their rights Mm -hmm. to defend their IP. It's just that Axonar made a lot of money. They profited off of it. Simple as that. And profiting off the Star Trek intellectual property. And you can't do that. Right. You just can't. And I just hate my whole thing with Axonar is I hate how this started as a really great idea mm-hmm. and produced a really good fan film. I, I do admit Prelude was pretty great. Right. It was well produced, amazing effects. Yeah, we, we praised it uh, when it came out. We praised it. We've had Alec on before. But this. This whole mess with this lawsuit has just stripped away any positivity I had for it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want nothing to do with it. I want my money back yeah. because I didn't agree to pay for a studio that's going to make more, Alec Peters more money. I paid for an Axonar film, and I'm not getting that. I'm not even going to get that until the case is closed. And even then, if it's in their favor, then... You know, we'll get it two years later after the all the funding's been done. Mm-hmm. And I won't care at that point. Right. And if they're shut down, I still don't get a movie. I don't know if I'll ever see that money again. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very bad situation, and it has soured me on crowdfunding projects for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless there's an absolute guarantee that I will ever get perks for a thing that I support, I'm not going to support it. This whole mess with Axonar is just very unfortunate because it's soured my view on part of the fandom and also just crowdfunding in general. Yeah. And that's why I've been so fluxed over the past couple months. And I mean, even my last show, I taught, I got into it a little bit and Mm -hmm. it riled me up because it's when you're doing something different with people's money than you say you're going to do, it's just a bad situation, no matter how you look at it. Right. So yeah, you know what? Alec Peters can label me a hater all he wants because I do, I do hate what he's done to part of the fandom Mm -hmm. and is shifting the focus of the 50th anniversary of star Trek. This year is tainted because of his bull crap with this lawsuit. Yeah. I, from the start of this year, I've heard more about this battle with Axanar than anything positive with star Trek. Yeah. Like I see it in my feed. I still follow, you know, the Axanar official shame on you. Uh, I see, I see what goes on. There's a lot of name calling. Oh yeah. And all the negativity toward like Vic Mignogna and Star Trek continues. Like I know there's some blood, bad blood between the two of them, but wow. I mean, to drag another fan project through the mud like that when I'm sorry, but Star Trek continues has got like they're playing out to nine episodes. They've already released six of them. Mm-hmm. They've all been highly successful. They're well-produced. All we have to show is all Axonar has to show is prelude and a two minute Vulcan scene. Right. And that's all they got to show for their project. Yep. And continues has been nothing but positive. So, there's a right way and a wrong way to go about this. And I think Axonar is doing it completely the wrong way. Right. And if we, that labels me a hater, I am a hater. Yeah. I mean, we, sh- I, we should have known something was happening when we got that information about Tony Todd no longer being part of the project. Yeah. That was like the first red flag. And then it all just descended into this chaos. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I really hate that Alec Peters you know, being narcissistic, I'm going to say it, he's a narcissist, has made the 50th anniversary about this lawsuit. And for shame, for shame. So that's what put my Guam State into flux. And I swear to God, I'll never talk about it again. I won't rant like this again on this podcast because you know what? I said all I needed to say. I wish hindsight's 2020, but I wish we never had him on the show. I, I don't know. I just, I wish I never gave money to the project. I mean, 200 bucks is like 200 bucks. So, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's why I'm, I'm fluxed. I will say this again. I will promote AXA monitor mm-hmm. uh, on yeah, Twitter. I, I uh, read some of their tweets uh, recently. Uh, so they, yeah. they give a very unbiased opinion and everything, every fact is referenced. Mm. So, well, you have Everything to. Cited. You would have to reference it because Peters would 
tear it to shreds saying, oh, no, that's, that's not true if it wasn't referenced. And he, I'm sure he still says it's not true. Uh, yeah. Even with the references. But that's beside the point. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't mean to end the episode on, on a negative note. I really don't. It's just, that's, that's why I'm flexed. And it's sad because, you know, we're almost halfway through the year of the 50th yeah. anniversary and so much focus is on this and I want to be positive. You know what? I, I may not think highly of beyond like, you know, using a fast and furious director, but that's just my prejudgment. I haven't seen it yet. It could yeah. be a very fun movie. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic and hopeful about that movie because right now that's really the only celebration. Oh, and by the way, I went to that Star Trek concert uh-huh. uh, for the 50th anniversary. Yep. Fantastic time. Mm. It was beautifully produced. It was narrated by Michael Dorn. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sorry that you missed it. Yeah, I, mi- I missed it. Being surrounded by a whole bunch of Trekkies mm-hmm. enjoying the same thing. It's a really good feeling and star i think star trek is the fandom that i need to get back into more of for mm. sure there's there are a lot of great people in this fandom and i definitely want to connect more with with other fans yeah with and other we, trekkies we shall we shall so that's uh ending on a good note uh, yeah if we wanted to find you on the internet how would we go about doing so well, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Riza and all these other... I don't use Riza a lot, but you can mainly find me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at trekkieb 47 mm-hmm. I also have uh, my Power Rangers podcast, Ranger Command Power Hour, uh, which you can follow at Ranger Command PH on Twitter and uh, Ranger Command Power Hour, all one word, on Instagram and Facebook. So if you are a fan of Power Rangers... Give us a listen. Will do, and you definitely it's, should. It's my other big fandom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you wanted to find me, you can do so on Twitter by going to at Nova Charter. You could also find me on Star Trek Riza at Nova Charter. Nice. And until next time, uh, thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. What are you even talking about? <laughs> uh, Trek on. <laughs> Live long and prosper. See you guys. You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where you can catch a new episode every other Monday. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at sfescapepod. Like us on facebook.com slash sfescapepod. And add us to your circle on Google Plus by going to google.sfxkpod.com. This has been another great presentation of the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can catch more shows at foureyedradio.com.